0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast, of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. You come and I meant to say something. Please take some time and uh, tell us about the book table and the DVDs and all of that. We're honored you're here, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brother Coburnett. What a blessing to be here. And uh, if you don't mind, Brother Komenak, could I wait to the end to talk about the book table? Would that be all right? After everything? Okay, good. That way you remember more. <laughs> and you'll be out there. Right. It won't be in the distant past somewhere. Amen. Well, <clears throat> good to see everyone. And greetings from Washington, D.C., center stage for world politics. Many think poly meaning many, "ticks" meaning bloodsuckers. but there are very good people there as well sorry that they're not in the majority but that's our fault because we go to sleep may I say this if Christians throughout the United States voted the way that we should we would never lose another election on any level to any left wing even in California and Hawaii. Christians just voted the way that they should. So we shouldn't listen to the polls. Polls, you know, ridiculous. So we, we just, uh, we know, my wife and I, good people. Uh, two independent Baptists, by the way, in the House of Representatives. Many born-again believing Christians. And then beyond that, people that are influenced by God's Word and uh, talking about the spiritual liberty and the civil liberty, as George just sang about uh, so well, and how we are responsible for both. We are stewards of that liberty, because God says, "'If my people, which are called by my name, "'shall humble themselves.'" So America's past belongs to us, because it was God's people that founded this nation, and America's future, should belong to us, actually does, and will belong to us if we don't give place to the devil. God says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And so we need to do that. In order to do that, we need to remember some things as we just saw in 9-11. I know some of the young people, they weren't even alive when that happened. I was a younger man at that time, and I can still remember actually watching the second tower get hit live on the television, and then both towers. When both towers sank, there was an older gentleman by the name of Coach Price who said, our country will be changed forever. Our free society will begin to be locked down, and we see ourselves today in what's going on. And so uh, it is. It is uh, our 45th anniversary. Uh, And if you didn't meet my wife yet, honey, would you stand up, turn around, and look at everybody there? She's right, right there. Amen. (laughs) She's breaking your code because she's on a pew that's closed. But uh, (laughs) I love to tease her. Uh, I I met her when she was 18 in an art class, and. uh, I was 21, she was 18. She was working on a drawing. I walked over, I said, oh, very nice. She said, oh, oh, you like my drawing? I said, I wasn't talking about the drawing. (laughs) It worked. Here we are 45 years later, amen? And it's never been better. She is the love of my life. And of course, aside from the Lord, my very dearest friend. And it's so wonderful to have her with us. I truly believe this. As we look at our nation, we need to be so thankful for what we have and our heritage. No one on earth has our heritage. Only two nations in the history of all of mankind started from the premise of God's word. America and Israel. All other nations, even Great Britain with their great missionary efforts of yesteryear, they didn't start with the truth. They came to the truth. But we started with the truth. And that gives us a very unique connection, you might say, with, of course, the nation of Israel. We called ourselves the second Israel. And the first seal of the United States proposed by Dr. Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson was Moses leading the children of Israel through the Red Sea with the pillar of fire in the background. And around it were the words, rebellion to tyrants as obedience to God. And so our founding father said, as we believe God delivered Israel from the tyranny of Egypt, we believe that he will also deliver the people of the United States from the tyranny of Great Britain. And of course, he did, didn't he? In a war that we should not have won. And I truly believe this. I, I believe that we need to start to understand that many people think they know our history. But we need to get to a point where we know that we know our history. I remember a story of a general and his lieutenant, and they were getting on a train uh, during World War II over in Europe. If you know anything about the European trains, everyone faces one another. Some of the passenger cars are compartmentalized. Some of them are wide open. And uh, this one was wide open. There was only two seats available. And it was across from a grandmother and her beautiful young granddaughter, full-grown lady. And so the lieutenant and the general took their seats opposing them and the train pulled out of the station and down the tracks and rolled into a tunnel. And the tunnel was so dark you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And everyone heard around that foursome two sounds. They heard the sound of a kiss and a slap. Train pulled out of the tunnel, illuminated once again and everyone wondered what happened around that foursome. There were three people that thought they knew, one person that knew that they knew the truth. The grandmother was thinking, how dare that young lieutenant kiss my granddaughter, but I'm glad she had enough gumption to slap him. The granddaughter was thinking, although inappropriate, it's very flattering that young lieutenant kissed me on the cheek, but I'm mortified that my grandmother slapped him. (laughs) The general was thinking, well, it took some intestinal fortitude for my young lieutenant to kiss that beautiful young woman, but why did she slap me by mistake? The lieutenant was the only one that knew the truth. He said, isn't it wonderful? In one opportunity, I had the chance to kiss a beautiful young woman on the cheek and slap a general. (laughs) So he knew he knew the truth. And we know that we know we must understand the truth of our country. In order to do that, I believe the Bible gives us a good understanding of where we are. And I want you to take your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians, if you would, please in chapter 2. What a blessing to be with you. I want you to know this. I want you to know since the last time I stood behind this pulpit right here, every single day I have prayed for your pastor and his wife and this ministry. Not just once in a while, but every day. And so I have some vested interest in this ministry as you have in our ministry as well. I hope that you come tonight and that you see the video presentation. It's an Excellent video presentation that my friend, Caleb Garraway, uh, who I, I mentored, uh, and of course, you know, he's, he uh, is a fine, fine young man doing a tremendous job, uh, and he was the one that put it together. But it shows you the per- partnership and actually some footage uh, inside uh, one of the congressional offices and what the Lord has now called us to do, and he's led us step by step by step down through and so come tonight and uh, come early if, if you can and uh, we'll watch a movie. I don't know if there's going to be popcorn or not, but we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll watch a movie, okay? Eat first, eat dinner, so it'll be dinner and a movie, okay? And, uh, but, but come tonight and then I, I'm going to be speaking on something that I believe everyone will need to hear and I've entitled it A Space of Grace. What's going on in our country and why we have the riots going on and why... Some of these young people uh, don't have even common decency uh, in in what they're doing and what we can do uh, to see that come to a stop. And uh, and so I'm going to give you the real take on what's going on uh, tonight and uh, not what the news is trying to get you to think. But this morning I want to talk about three things here that Paul is talking to the people of Corinth. And the people of Corinth were a very unique people. Uh, This culture had all the niceties, all the creature comforts of the ancient world. I believe this, the marginal mind of modern man discounts the fact that ancient man in some instances, here's one, had some wonderful things. The Corinthian culture has had a major influence on civilizations down through the time that this was written to today, on language, education, science, architecture, Mathematics, specifically geometry. I take some exception to that because I hated geometry. Olympics, the odometer, the alarm clock. I really take exception to that. Cartography, which is the art of mapping. Medicine, indoor plumbing, urban planning, wheelbarrows, showers, lighthouses, canals, and many more things. You see, the ancient Corinthians had hot and cold indoor showers in bathtubs. The ancient ancient Corinthians had the finest of foods and the most beautiful materials to make their clothes from. They had all the niceties of the ancient world, but with that was the allurement of the world. Because when you're in great prosperity, too many times it lulls you into complacency. It lulls you into apathy. Complacency is, I don't have enough time. Apathy is, I don't care. And too many times Christians in past years haven't had enough time to go vote. And that's why the church of Jesus Christ is under attack today. Because we, God's people, didn't have enough time to vote or we didn't care enough to vote. The ancient Corinthians, Paul looked at them and he knew that they needed renewal of their mind. By the way, we need that as well, because we are in the same type of culture that they are. We're being lured towards the world and bombarded constantly. Look, every single one of us, the reason why we're here today is because we know that we must have God create in us a clean heart, Not every once in a while, but every day, at least every week. Oh, God, the sweet psalmist said, renew a right spirit within me. Too many times, you see, we have lost the joy of our salvation. I don't want to get over the fact that I'm saved. And it seems like some people that I meet have gotten over that. Say, how do you know? Because I ask them how they're doing. And they say they're doing fine, but their face doesn't reflect that. You know, I'm doing fine. I I feel like saying, please tell your face about it. You know, it takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown. Amen. And, and look, I, I don't want to go around with a frown on my face. My wife and I, God's blessed us in a big way. We're always giggling. We're always laughing. I still make her blush and giggle. I love that. I can still push her buttons, you know. She says, you're pushing my buttons. I said, yes, I am. We walk up in the grocery store and we're giggling the person behind the, by the cash register there looks at us. And then we give them a tract to say, look, let me give you something to read about our best friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. How you can know for sure you're going to heaven. It'll give you great joy in life. Too many times what's going on, because we are allured by the world, we need to reflect that same prayer from Psalm 51. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Why? Because then, it says, will I teach transgressors thy way, and sinners shall be converted unto me. If we have the joy in our life, like that old song on the bus, it'll be bubbling, bubbling, bubbling. And we want that, don't we? We want to be giving out tracts. You know, when was the last time you gave a tract out? When was the last time you gave a tract out with a smile? When was the last time you gave a tract out while your wife was giggling at a joke you just told her? And then come back to that same person, perhaps a day later, and, and they say, oh, thank you for giving me that tract. My wife gave a tract out to a lady in an airport. She, she looked at it. My wife said, this will tell you that God loves you and how you can know him personally. She said, I was just praying that God would give me a sign. I'm going through a tough time in my life. You know that old saying, when you go out there, smile at everybody because everybody's having a rough time. See, God's people, we need to understand that the great nation that we live in As the Corinthian culture, we're constantly surrounded by the winds of worldliness. And the Corinthians were attempting to live their lives on the basis of unsanctified common sense. With self-preservation as its ultimate goal. Most folks don't understand. Self-seeking, self-serving attitudes lead to self-destruction. I mean, look, the backslider is the one that is filled with his own ways. We don't want to be filled with our ways. We don't want to know ourselves. I don't want to know myself because there's nothing good in me. There's that one of those religious that says, know thyself. Well, I know myself all too well. Amen. I, I need to get in the Bible. I need to get in prayer. Because the only good thing in me is Jesus Christ. And by the way, the same thing with you. We're, we're a bunch of heathens. Sinners saved by grace, amen. And we can live above all that, but we must understand that he that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for Jesus Christ and his will find it. I remember years ago in Oxford University, General Booth. Who was the head of the Salvation Army that was after the Salvation of Souls? It hadn't degenerated into a social type of salvation as too many times now it is. They were after the Souls of Man first, and then they tried to, from that, bring people up in society. But everyone was wondering what this great man of God was going to say. And so as he came up to the podium, he said, gentlemen, this was the best and brightest of the empire of Great Britain waiting to hear. He said, I have three words for you. Others. 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 And he sat down. See, our life should be led for others. It's lived for others. And if we live for others, guess what? That's the abundant life. Because you can't give. You can't outgive God. The more you give to God, the more he's going to give to you. I'd rather have the joy of the Christian life by living for others than live for self, you see. And so what we need to do is understand three things that Paul tells the people of Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech, of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I want to talk about three things. Declaration, determination, demonstration. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, as we bow before you now, once again we ask that you would just fill this auditorium with thy presence through and by the holy unction of your blessed and Holy Spirit. Father, we pray collectively as I step back, Lord, and surrender everything that I am to you. You would step forward, articulate these lips, clarify my thoughts. But most of all, oh, Father, through and by your Holy Spirit, every word that I say might be infused by thy power into our minds and our hearts. And oh, God, that you would truly give us thy grace to live as it would be an honor and glory to thee. Father, move amongst our midst. Do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And Lord, we ask truly that you would put your stamp of approval on the reading of thy word. The light of thy countenance might truly shine down upon us. Create once again that hedge. Help the cares and burdens, aches and pains, this life dissipate, and help us to focus on the eternal. We pray this in the precious name and authority of of your son the Lord Jesus Christ and by his power and merit we ask it and thank you God amen so here we see the first thing that Paul talks to the brethren here at Corinth where he says and I brethren came to you not with excellence of speech of wisdom declaring he said I came to you to, to declare something you know what I came I came to declare that God is amen And you think about this, in our country, our nation is so unique. Our country was given to us for the declaration of God. When the pilgrims set out, 106 of them, on that point where I stood several years ago in England, they got around the open Bible and they prayed, Oh Lord, help us to get across the Atlantic so that we, by thy will, can establish a nation for the propagation of the gospel of your precious Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amazing to me that they came here, weren't used to the rigors of the new world. Half of them died that first winter because they just weren't used, nor did they have the knowledge and expertise of hunting and fishing and farming. The second winter rolled around. Again, they were under a communal type of governance. And God's not for that, by the way. He's not for socialism. Socialism is just communism with lipstick. And it's devised to enslave. Yeah, bring everyone down to the same level, poverty level. It can clothe you and feed you and put a roof over your neck and uh, over, your, over your head and, and even go ahead and take care of you medically, but it destroys your dreams. And that's what America is it's a fulfillment. Of dreams that's why we have what we have that's why we are who we are amen Amen. so the second winter another half of them died william bradford said you need to come back with me to england you're all going to die and he wrote in his journal they said we are not he said this did not dissuade them he said They told me if we are not foundation stones, may we be stepping stones that our children might stand on our shoulders and go forward and worship God in truth, not confirmation to a state-run church, but transformation through and by the Holy Spirit of God and His Word. Well, they stopped the communal type of governance and he said, I'm going to split everybody up, give you your own land, you're going to go ahead and farm your own land and I'm going to give you seed corn and something happened. You know what happened? That's the free market system. That's the sacred law of property ownership that's biblical. When they started doing that, a Native American walked into the village (laughs) by the name of Squanto who knew English because the British had kidnapped him, taken him to Great Britain, and then brought him back and dropped him off. And he walked in and said, welcome. They were really afraid of the Native Americans. He said, welcome. He taught them how to fish, how to hunt, and how to plant. They had so much abundance. By the next time winter rolled around, Things began to get cold they were able to take care of the people that couldn't actually work and they created something for the first time that's indigenous to America Thanksgiving yeah, amen. amen what are you saying brother Harding I'm saying when they declared that God is when they started doing things God's way God started blessing them amen. you see we simply need to go to God and realize this Paul said the declaration that I had for you was a declaration that God is when it came to sign the Declaration of Independence that's exactly what that was our founding fathers signing a document that simply stated that God is going back for the first time in centuries To the point where Israel abandoned the judge system and told Samuel, we want to be like all the rest of the nations. We want a king over us. Samuel said, your king's going to take from you. and Take from you. Our founding fathers learned and when they signed the declaration of independence, which was a dependence upon God, you know what they were saying to the whole world? When the world didn't know of any of this when the world had forgotten those valuable truths in His Word, in God's Word, those men said, we no longer want to be like all the rest of the nations. We no longer want a man to be a monarch over us. No sovereign over our nation, but the sovereign of men's souls, Jehovah, and no king but King Jesus. I don't know about you. That gets me going. Amen. Amen? Amen. That's what America is all about. That's what we need to remember. The declaration that God is. Was the declaration, the blueprint for our country. It was the driving force, the fire lit within, because it was a sacred fire born from god's word we see paul talking about that and realizing that the declaration of our life should reflect what our country's all about the gospel of jesus christ let me ask you at work amongst your friends or those associates that you have when they see you coming Do they say, oh, careful, don't tell that off-color joke. Careful of your language. See this person? He's going to be all about declaring God. Or do they say, well, yeah, you can say whatever you want to around him. He's no different from the rest of us. See, the declaration of our life should be God. That which we have seen heard declare we unto you that she also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full hey I want joy what about you your joy comes from declaring God is the joy of our founding fathers came from a document where they pledged to each other their lives, their fortunes and their sacred honor. But before they said that, they said with firm reliance upon the protection of divine providence. They said, God is going to fight for us. And we may be going up against the greatest military in the world. And by man's estimation, we won't have any chance of winning. But God's a game changer and he's going to show up and we have confidence in that we are declaring to the whole world that God is and he gives to us life liberty and the pursuit of happiness this then should be our message should it not which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light And in Him is no darkness at all. God is truth. And in Him is no falsehood at all God is strength. And in Him is no weakness at all. God is victory And in Him is no failure at all God is great And in Him is no mediocrity at all God is wonderful And in Him is no disappointment at all God is kind And in Him is no cruelty at all and God is holy and in him is no sin at all. God is. That should be our declaration. That's where you're gonna get joy. Hey, go after the world. See what that brings you. I got saved when I was 21. I've been there and back. It's all falsehood. I know now where true joy comes from. It's not the counterfeit of the devil. So this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That equates to joy. A declaration that God is. Look at the next one. It says this, verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. A lot of times, you know, People wanna know what, what you know. What do you know? You go for a job interview, right? What do you know? You are in a Bible class, in a Bible study. You make contributions. People know, oh, he's knowledgeable. But here Paul said something very unique. He said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know why? Because the Corinthians were filling themselves with the niceties of the world. So I'm 6'5, and uh, I told the Sunday school class, I've dropped 50 pounds. Recently, i gone down two suit sizes, several neck sizes. Okay, and I told the Sunday school class, when I was 50 pounds bigger, and between haircuts, people would mistake me for President Trump. I told the Sunday school class that. I don't see it. I don't. I don't see it. (laughs) But I'm 50 pounds lighter now. I I, I kind of enjoy that, you know, And, and, and I realize something through and by. All the things that God's determined in my life. When I was younger, I was a tall drink of water. I mean, I could never get over 200. I'd be 198, 197. Could I ate like a horse. I could never break 200. I, my f- normal stance was looking in the refrigerator. My mom said, what are you doing? Kind uh, of looking around. She said, you just ate. Yeah, I know. Still hungry, you know. I was always hungry. But if it was before the meal, my mom would say, don't eat that because I've got a good dinner for you. And I don't want you to do what? Ruin your appetite, spoil your appetite, right? See, I truly believe this. I believe some Christians are nibbling around the edges of the world. Maybe not sin, but we're supposed to lay aside even the weights that so easily beset us. You know why? I want to have a greater hunger for God. What about you? Amen. See, I, I want to know more about God. So there's certain things I'm going to determine not to know. Th- there's too many people that want to talk about people. I, I, I don't want to talk about people. Little people talk about people. Yeah. Unless it's talking about them in a good way. I don't, I, big people talk about the things of God. Amen. Truths, ideas. People start coming to me, talking to me about people, and it goes south, I stop them. Amen. And they even may say, well, it's the truth. Look, if it's the truth in love, that's a different thing. But criticism is not the truth in love. Right. So I'm not gonna listen, no thank you. Amen. Certain things I'm not gonna look at. Why? The eye gate to the heart, right. the mind. Certain things I'm gonna determine. I'm not going to look at that. Certain things I'm not going to listen to. I'm not going to listen to the music of the world. You know why? It takes my appetite away from God. I've determined not to know. So I want you to, to think about what have you determined not to know? See? I don't know the new sitcoms. I don't know the new music of the world, unless it's good music. I don't wanna think about the wrong things, why? Luke 10, says this, "'All things are delivered to me of my Father, "'and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, "'and who the Father is but the Son.'" And listen to this last phrase, "'And to whom the Son will reveal him.'" Whew. You determine not to know the things of the world, you know what God's gonna do? Next time you open up his word, Next time you're contemplating, meditating upon him, he's going to pull the veil back and say, look, and you're going to say, ah, that's wonderful. That's marvelous. That's amazing. He's going to do things for you that he won't do for others. Well, he's the same for everyone, isn't he? He's no respecter of persons. Yes, that's true. But do you see how he did what he did for David, okay? And the other choice servants, See, I want to know more of God tomorrow. What about you? So a certain thing I've just determined not to know, so God will reveal himself to me. It takes that determination. What have you determined not to know? What is the Holy Spirit of God right now putting his finger on in your heart that you've determined not to know. You see, our founding fathers determined not to know certain things. You you understand they had great sacrifice to go through, right? You you get that, don't you? You get that 56 men that signed the Declaration of Independence that made them traitors by man's estimation? Gave many of them everything to include some of them even their own lives died of battle wounds you get that right you get that george washington with the beautiful mount vernon never returned home for eight years and six months until the war was over you get that right you you get that he said you want to know the price of liberty i wish you could see the blood in the snow here at valley forge where the men have been drilling getting ready to fight the enemy and they don't have enough shoe leather and their feet are cracking and their some of their toes are literally breaking off but they're still here and they're still fighting men that you could look at you could count their ribs emaciated dark circles around their eyes having eaten nothing but Hard tack, which is flour and water for weeks. Not enough clothes even to cover their body. And not even a hut to lay down underneath. They had to get leaves to put in the snow and bring branches on top of them from some of the evergreens. And George Washington said without a murmur or a complaint because they determined... Not to know the suffering. You know why? Because they had been told by their commanders who many times was their pastor. We're not fighting just another battle. We're going to fight a battle that will actually settle the fate of millions of souls to come in this country. See, we're in a battle today for the souls of lost people. There might even be some here amongst us who've never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. And you say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm in church. No, coming into church doesn't make you any more Christian than going into a garage makes you an automobile. Okay? And it's not believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God or that he died on the cross or that God is God or the Bible is the Word of God or that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. It's not just believing it. It's receiving it. Receiving the gift of God. Head knowledge, heart knowledge. Seven inches, a lot of people miss heaven by seven inches. Right. Yes, sir. And they're there for all of eternity because they've never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. Hey, you want revival in our country? You want to see our country turn? Starts with us. Starts with us declaring that God is, number one, and then determining not to know the things of the world so that Jesus Christ will reveal more of himself to us. Hey, there was an old colonial guy back in yesteryear, a pastor, and as he walked, when his right foot hit the ground, he said, hallelujah. When his left foot hit the ground, he said, praise the Lord. You could hear him coming. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You say, Brother Harding, should we walk that way? No. The The guys in the white jackets will take you away. But that should be our declaration that God is, and it should be our determination not to know certain things in the world. Why? Because it brings us to the last, and I believe, a very important aspect. Declaring unto you the testimony of God, God the Father. Determining not to know anything but Jesus Christ, God the Son, in verse four. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but what? In demonstration of the Spirit and the power. I don't know about you. I want to have more of a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power in my life. I, I want to pray and see God do miracles. You know, God's still in the miracle-making business, right? You know, God still performs miracles for his people? You know that, right? I hope you do. I'm driving a miracle out in the parking lot. I showed the pastor earlier. I'm driving a miracle. Say what are you talking about, Brother Harding? In this pastor's partnership, where well, I hope your pastor will come, where I can take him into the vice president's Bible study and take him through the White House and, I mean, in my wildest imagination, I never thought my wife and I, on a weekly basis, would be going through three Secret Service checkpoints and walking into the Vice President's office and having a Bible study. Amen. In the Vice President's Bible study, in the White House complex. I I never thought I'd I'd even meet the Vice President, let alone the President. And I've met the President, talked with him one-on-one. He's a great guy. I mean, he immediately put his hand on my shoulder. I said, hey, man, look at this guy. Who are you? I thought it was his best friend. When he got through talking to me, I thought, okay, where are we going now? And he left me all alone, you know? But in my wildest imagination, I never thought that God would allow this to happen. But he's opened miraculous doors. Wow, amen. Great doors and effectual. Oh, there are many adversaries. My wife and I have suffered attacks, yeah. I'm in the parking lot, though, demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I need an SUV. I want to pick up pastors from the airport, and then I want to take them to the hotel room, and then I want to take them to D.C., because you have to go temporarily insane to drive in D.C. <clears throat> I don't want them to get stressed out. I want something nice to take them in. I'm a D.C. driver. I've been driving since I was 16 in D.C. I know how to do it. Okay. And so I was at a church and they said, Brother Harding, in this prayer partnership, some of the things that you need. I said, well, one thing I need, I'm praying about an SUV. And they said, okay. So we went on and it was at a men's prayer meeting that I said that. And uh, I was home a couple of days later and the pastor called me and he said, one of our men, God woke him up in the middle of the night and said, you need to give your SUV to Brother Harding. He says, 2017, fully loaded. I said, yes. (laughs) Demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Amen. Call me back the next day. He said, I made a mistake. I went, okay. He says, 2019. Uh, Yes. (laughs) It's out there in the parking lot. It's a 75, dollars $80,000 vehicle. It's the premier edition of the now I have people coming up to me, Brother Harding, would you pray for me for an automobile? <laughs> I said, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And actually, I asked him if I could give him a dollar so I wouldn't have to uh, pay for the taxes and tags and titles. You know, I wasn't born in the basement brought up yesterday. Okay. said, so have you paid him the dollar yet? No, I'm paying him monthly installments of uh, nickel <laughs> a month. But what I'm saying is, if we have a declaration in our life, that one thing that we do, declare God everywhere we go, if we have a determination not to know the things that displease God so He can reveal more of Himself to us, we will have the demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God. I love to give tracks out. Say, who gives tracks out? People have tracks. That means if you don't have a tract in your pocket or your purse, you need to get one before you go out. I love it. My, my wife and I wrote this one. We wrote this one, another one called The Foundation. Thousands of these. But I love giving tracts out. You know why? Because when you give a tract out and someone takes it, you have a promise that His Word will not return void. It will always accomplish His purpose and bless that thing or person whom you've given it to. Okay? I've seen people come to the knowledge of the truth sitting in a restaurant Amen. simply because the pastor said hey tell this person about your ministry and then I always bring it back to the cross Amen. and then not too long ago a lady said I've got to go take care of another table then I'll come back I thought oh. you have a little faith yeah. she came back sat down and was gloriously saved I had someone walk up to me in an airport. A young man and said, hey, I had a lapel pin on. He said, hey, I've been thinking about going into Congress. I guess he thought I was a congressman or something. And I started telling him about our ministry on Capitol Hill. He got saved right there in the airport. Amen. Pulled the mask down. He's going to be in my next prayer letter. Photograph of this young fellow that got saved right in the airport. See, there's souls everywhere. Isn't it an amazing thing that we can enter in to that eternal transference from hell to heaven and see the demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God? You want more of that? Was the last time you saw someone come to the knowledge of the truth and see that spark of eternity? I want more. I want more of that. To bring them from darkness unto the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. Hey, the world's dark out there. We are the light. We can open their eyes, turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan under God, and receive the forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in him. I'll close with this illustration. There was a man, a very wealthy man, He had painting, statuary from all over the world, collected it his whole life, back during World War I. He died after the war was over. His son had actually given his life in World War I. And there was a young man that knocked on his door one day, said, I was with your son when he died. And he died very bravely. He said, I'm an amateur artist. I've painted a portrait of your son. And he gave him that portrait. That wealthy man looked at that portrait and wept openly. Time went on, he passed away, and there was a reading of the will, and from an understanding that people had, there was going to be a great auction at this man's palatial mansion. All these masters of yesteryear, all these wonderful tapestries and statues. And paintings. And so the executor of the will got up and he started opening the auction, so to speak. And all the people from all over the world and even some people that were listening to the ticker tape and communicating with other areas and rudimentary telephone, they said, okay, begin. And he brought out a painting of the rich man's son. He said, well, this one needs to go first before we continue with the next portion of the will. Can I have a bit on this painting here? People were yelling, we don't want that one. We want you to get to the masters. We don't want that one. He said, could I just get, could I get $20 for it? We don't want that. Just go ahead and give it to somebody. Finally, in the back of the room, the gardener raised his hand and said, oh, I knew the boy. I I have three dollars. Can I bid three dollars? The auctioneer said, I have three dollars. Three dollars going once, three dollars going twice. People were yelling, sell it to him, sell it to him. Let's go on. Sold. Gavel went down. He took the Pen knife and opened up the next codicil of the will and turned it over and read and looked up rather surprised. He said, the auction's over. Oh, people really got excited then. Yelling, what do you mean the auction's over? What he said, well, this part of the will says this. The person that buys the portrait of the sun gets everything. All the paintings, the lands, the wealth that this man even had in stocks and bonds. Because it says here, he that hath the Son hath it all. And he that hath the Son hath it all. Might we have a declaration that God is. Might we determine not to know the things of the world that we might know Jesus Christ and Him crucified so that we can evidence the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit of God and seeing people saved and grow in grace. That's America. That's why God's given us the greatest nation in modern history, this experiment in liberty that belongs to every nation single one of us and that's why we cannot allow these would-be anarchists to try to rip it from us they're in the minuscule minority but we must be ever vigilant we must be the stewards of liberty